G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. I am your host, Troy McCubbin, and this is number 52. Woohoo! Oh, amazing. We have hit the one year anniversary, ladies and gentlemen. Who'd have thought? 52 shows back to back. We did not miss one. And even though this one's a little bit uh, tight in getting together because um, of traveling commitments that I have, we are still getting it out. So, uh, so that's all good. Um, lots happening and nothing I can really share with you just at the moment, but, uh, a lot is in progress, which is great. Uh, we have obviously guests coming up. Uh, we have Anaheim coming up uh, with the NAM show, which is always an interesting experience. Uh, we musicians, we all complain, but we all want to go to it. I don't know why that is. It's like an oxymoron. We love it, but we hate it. But uh, anyway, so me, Scott, and Bruce are actually going to hit NAM show this year, uh, hopefully all together, and we're going to catch up with some of our sponsors and endorsement companies down there, Wireworld and Exotic Pedals, and hopefully, I don't know if Sir are going to be there or not, but uh, try and catch up with as many of our companies down there and talk to them and get Bruce and Scott to do some interviews with some different players and, and have a ripe old time down in Anaheim, California for the NAM. So if you see us walking around NAM, make sure you say a big g'day. We'd love to chat with you and, uh, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you if you see us walking around. So that's something to look forward to. That'll be a lot of fun. This week's show, we're answering more of your questions and emails. So that'll be great with Scott and Bruce never a dull moment we've got lots of guests coming up this year lots of new things a new website happening thanks to some amazing well maybe i shouldn't say amazing yet because i haven't seen the website but so far so good i feel like we're in the, the the steps the good steps of actually getting an amazing website so massive thanks to um just some listeners who offered to help us out with a website and also a guitar wank app I mean, that's amazing. So thank you so much. We really appreciate all the support because it's so hard. We've got this show this far, 52 shows, one year. We want to take it to the next level. And the only really way we can do that uh, is if you guys help us and spread the word more, we get more listeners and more support. Um, and if you don't want to donate, donate money, maybe you want to do that and go to the website, you can donate money. Or maybe you have a skill that would help us promote Guitar Wank, which would be amazing too. So, you know, it's either that or me, Scott and Bruce on the corner somewhere earning extra money late at night. It's one of the two. I would prefer the latter. So if you have any way to support us and uh, help spread the word or help us promote Guitar Wank, we would love to hear from you. Just send us an email and we can chat and we so appreciate it. That's really cool. And as Bruce is always saying, community, community, community. So Guitar Wank community, let's make 2017 a massive year and um, try and get all the guests that we want to get. I really want to get George Benson this year. We're going to get Lukather. Um, yeah, I don't know about Alan Holdsworth. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's lots of great players that I want to get. So we will see. Uh, what happens but anyway let's just get to it here's scotty and bruce and uh guys what have we got installed for everyone this week
Well, the, the, the point is, is that the whole point of like people getting together to discuss stuff is just to get people thinking. Because no one expects that people that listen to this or any other podcast or any other group of people discussing, whether you're discussing politics or music or whatever, that just because someone says something and you happen to respect that person, then you're going to automatically agree with them. Right. But, it, but for me, all I think about is balance. I think, you know, the balance of the force. That's what I think about. I think about there's got to be a balance. Is that, is, is that like a Star Wars thing? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I needed there's help gotta there. Be, there's got to be a balance between soft notes, loud notes, long notes, short notes, arrangements, you know, not arrangements, you know, like, like the difference between something being overly arranged or the point where it's so loose that it just has offers no value. Right. Right. So, so you know, when when everybody has their own levels of balance and about about what's more important to them as far as, you know, especially concerning jazz, because jazz is a music that can adopt traditional song forms and song uh, attitudes, like just as much as a Michael Jackson or Led Zeppelin or anything else. You know, there's a lot of jazz artists who take pride in their writing and their arranging. Mm. It's not just about blowing a horn and blowing a bunch of notes. It's they there are a lot of jazz musicians that are very conscious about putting together a group. I've seen Bruce's group, you know, uh -oh, Bruce's group sorry. Is, is, is you know, <laughs> Calbop is very arranged. You know, there's a that's what they do is they play arrangements. They improvise within those arrangements, but they're playing arrangements. You know, and, and which is very different than to go see, like, say, certain uh, periods of Miles Davis where there was very little arrangement right. at all, like Bitches Brew. It wasn't a, the arrangement was let's arrange to meet at the studio and play. <laughs> that was the arrangement. Yeah, but that's an arrangement. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a very loose arrangement, and and, and and there's and it's and it's just as valid. Yeah. But but and then there's all kinds of levels of black and gray in between those two black and white things you know so so it all depends on personal taste but when we say back to this guy's question where he's thing saying what's the next thing you know it's almost boring to think about what the next thing is because haven't we seen it all by now like haven't we seen enough guys tapping on their guitars and playing the and and, and Especially the drone fuckers, man. The drone monkeys. I hate them the worst. The drone monkeys. The what drone do you mean? monkeys. What do you mean? The guys who... who um, <laughs> they basically do all this miraculous stuff on their guitar, but it's all in one key. Oh, right. Okay. It's all in E. Yep. And they go, you know, they do the thing where they do all the rhythms with their thumb. And then they do all the things where they do the tapping. And then they do all this stuff. And it'd be, look, the whole thing is so fucking cornball because it's <laughs> all in the key of E. Right. It never changes chords. Right. It's sort of like, let me see what kind of monkeyish fucking shit I can do on the guitar <laughs> right. to amaze my friends it's a without, circus. without making any music. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a, a circus guitar trick. circus. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's a guitar circus. But would you guys say, and looking back when, say, when you were starting off on guitar and, and music, more so than, than ever, that now guitar, and I think we've touched on it a little bit before, that guitar has become, 
and maybe music in general has become more about a technical and competition in a lot of ways than being musical in some ways. Of course it has. It right. has. It has. It always has been that way in, in, to some degree, but it's become to such a large degree now that especially like, I mean, when the whole 80s thing came and Shred became a big thing, it was all about, you think that's musical? I mean, when one guitar player... His goal is to become the fastest guitar player in the world. I mean, you really think there's any music to that philosophy? Fuck no, there's no. It's just a. It's a sport. Yeah, it's that, a sport. It, it's you're, a sport. you're right. Yeah, it's a sport. Then you know, it, and it's not about as much music as as it is about sort of a, a you know a chops technical sports type activity. I met a guy at MI who said that was his goal in life to be the fastest well, guitar player. Well, Ron Bruner said that about drums he said my goal is to be the world's fastest drummer <laughs> Just so and, and you go what kind of a dipshit says something <laughs> like that but yeah he, he said it not me <laughs> i'm just gonna judge him for saying it <laughs> no but but you know i mean you know yes that's really stupid okay <laughs> can i just go on record He's but <laughs> but i love playing fast well, there's there's chops have their place. No, yeah. I just love the feeling of it. It's like flying. I don't know what I don't know what it's like because I can't do it. <laughs> well, I was when Bruce was over for earlier today, and we uh, I showed Bruce a, a tune, um, Sugarfoot Rag. Yeah. That um, Brent Magson plays. That's mm-hmm. an older tune, but he, he did a cover on his Hot White album, and he's playing at a breakneck speed and really just clean and just like wow and I, I was talking to Bruce I was like how do you get that do you think do you think everyone has a, a plateau where they hit that you can break through with the right practice and, and how do you get speed how do, how do you get fast and be able to pull it off live because I know I can be as quick as a lot of people in my bedroom and then I get live and I'm like oh well, that all fell out the <laughs> Well, you're asking the wrong guy, man. I've got the least amount of chops in this room and probably the least amount of chops in this 10-mile area of Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, you, play, you play quick. No, I really no, don't do. have any chops, seriously. That's not true. I mean, there's guys that play so much you well, know, faster yeah, than me. I mean, I mean, God, my chops are, are like... If, if I had to seriously put my chops... On a scale from one to ten, I'd put them at about a three or a four. Really? That's where my chops are. I don't care either. Right, I couldn't yeah. care less. But I'm just saying, <clears throat> factually, right. if you want to look at guys who really have some serious chops, I'm about a three. Right. You know, when when it when it really comes to guys that can seriously pick fast, mm. I mean, my God, Aldemiola. Oh yeah. my God! I mean, how do you play that fast? I just don't yeah. understand. Pa- Paco De Lucia. Yeah. Uh, um, um, uh, Tommy Emmanuel. Oh, yeah, Tommy um, I mean, he just shreds. really has some ridiculous chops. Yeah, I, and I'm nowhere near that level of chops. Nowhere even close. Yeah, but I don't care because that's not my that's thing. That's not your thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not my thing. You know, but it doesn't matter. So, you know, but nevertheless. Th- well, uh, Bruce, you 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 can shred. Bruce has got Bruce, some chops. I got, like, no, but no, but no, no, no. I mean. 
Okay, Bruce, Bruce I, has got it. Bruce is up there at about a seven or an eight. Oh, hell yeah. uh, I wouldn't even go that. I wouldn't even go that far. But I can play. I mean, I can get around the instrument. No, but you can get around really. Like when when you tear it up and go for it, you're you're moving. He's got yeah, he's okay. got that thing if, where you can really good coordination if between speed his left is chops. Right yes, well, I've just, got chops. I'm talking about speed and and be able to hear all the notes. Like, what did you do to get to that? Was that just a time thing for you, or did he you really work? a lot work? of dick. <laughs> a what? Sucked a lot of dick. Oh, that. Did you have to suck a lot of dick to get really fast, Bruce? What was going well, on? Well, I'm trying to forget. <laughs> no, was that a thing? Was that a thing? I, was like, I, I you, you know, you know look, look, I listen to guys that playing fast well, was a big part of the vocabulary. Right. So I wanted to do it. And so I did it a lot. It's not a dirty word. It's 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 fine. No, but no, I did it a lot. Do? I did a lot, especially when I was young. And right. I mean, I mean, there were there were. I can't tell you how many times there was, particularly a, a great drummer, in my hometown that could really play fast really well, and we would sit and have sessions for hours and hours together, no bass, just me and the drummer. Because I've realized the bass players hated me because I wanted to play fast for three hours in a row. Right. So they would, like, never answer my phone calls after the first session, you know. And uh, it would be me and that drummer, and we would sit and just crash and burn and crash and burn and just play. He would help me out of shit, and I would help him out of shit, you know. Mostly he helped me because he was older and better at it. And uh, I just did it a lot until it became, it's like, the way I, I, the best analogy I can come up with is like, if you're an athlete, it's training at high altitude. Okay. You know, where the air is thin and being able to run all a marathon at 8,000, 10,000 feet. You know what I mean? Getting to the point where you can breathe and think and mm. hear at that speed. Yeah. At the same comfort that you could down at sea level. Yeah. Because yeah. that's really all it is. And at that point, if you look at it like that, it's really nothing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I got maybe a little bit more speed than somebody else has. But really, it's nothing to do with anything. It just has a lot to do with the way it makes me feel when I play. Yeah. yeah. It's not really like I'm not doing it to impress anybody. I just, there's a certain exhilaration and a certain shine and sparkle to the playing when I've got that kind of speed and celerity, yeah. you know, that, um, that, that matters to me and it doesn't matter to the music. And yeah. it, I never even thought about it as important. I, totally I just liked that. it. I just liked I like it, it too. I like it. Like the, a lot of the country players that I admire, they're really quick. Like the Brent Masons and mm-hmm. the, key, uh, the right. Brent Paisleys and those kind of guys. They can, they tear it up when they right. need to tear it up. And I love that exhilaration. But for people who really want to do it and care about it, I mean, it's just it's just about time. practicing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I see guys at, at GIT all the time with their metronomes. And, and they really desire to be able to pick fast and coordinate their right hand with their left hand and play fast notes. Mm. And I see them. I know the way they do it. 
because I see it being taught. I, like Ken Steiger is the, is the metal guy at our school, and he's got as much chops as anybody. He's like blazing, right? right? And he takes the kids and he shows them stuff and gets them started on the metronome. And these kids are dedicated to building their chops. So, so I'm not saying that, that, that they're just going to be idiots the rest of their lives, but I'm just <laughs> saying they do dedicate, dedicate quite a big part of their day mm. to sitting there at the metronome and slowly building up their tempos. And they, they walk around talking about playing tunes at metronome settings. Yeah. They say, I played this song by whatever metal artist, right? <laughs> I got it up to 240 today. Right. Really, dude? Wow. I got it up to, to 230. You're ahead of me. <laughs> and they seriously, this is yeah. the way they talk. I'm not making this shit up. I no. hear them talking, going, I got this particular tune up to a certain metronome setting today. And that's really what's on their mind. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm I'm not putting yeah. it down. I'm just saying that's how they're learning how to do it. They're yeah. they're slowly, you know, they're they're practicing something and they're bringing the tempo up day by day just a little bit. And in a year goes by, Jesus Christ, they're just right. blazing fast. Now I never did that in my life. Hmm. Never. Yeah. Never did I ever try to 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 want to play faster and get the metronome up higher and I just it just it just never occurred to me to do that and and maybe that's bad I wish I had more chops but I don't yeah it's just I, I just never really good. I just <laughs> never really was a thing for me yeah yeah but but uh uh man speaking uh, of which I heard a record today by Scott's favorite employer um, <laughs> Everyone it was just, it was just exactly that. I mean, it sounded good too, but mm-hmm. it was just an a, a, an a demonstration of of speed of unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, you know, mm-hmm. hummingbirds on instruments. Right, right. It was like Chicoria's. It's called Romantic Warrior. Oh, I know that album. Yeah, that's one of his. That's one of his not so good. Was fusion. that Paco de Lucia? No, that's Al Demiola. Al Demiola. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was just like it was Al and the bass player was it? It wasn't Stanley, Stanley. Clark. Was it yeah. Stanley? Yeah. I mean, it was just it was kind of funny. I hate to say it, <laughs> you know. It was brilliant and impressive and all those things, you know. And actually, the tune had a cool little melody too. But it was so obviously all about these cameos of each instrument mm-hmm. playing at like three times the speed of sound. It almost sounds like a record sped up to, to the you No, know, it, it's, it's just showing off. I've got these yeah. freaks and I'm yeah. going to like, it's like a freak show at the zoo. Yeah. I mean, at the circus. Uh, yeah. no, but I, no, I, I mean, it, it, and don't get me wrong. All these guys are brilliant, you know. And yet, it was. I found myself laughing. <laughs> it, this, this is like this is what it, and, and that's what it was. That's an old record. That's probably what. Well, that's really dated, ago. yeah. But and, and so I'm listening to it, and it goes like, they're never. No one's ever going to go past that mm-hmm. because you just can't hear it past that. Mm. And yet, musically, I got to be honest with you. You know, they're playing over a simple little harmonic. 
thing and you know it's phrygian kind of whatever mm -hmm. i mean i don't know if it's actually phrygian but it sounded like it, it like, sounded like you, you ever have your you, you know when you go to the dentist work on <laughs> that's what it sounded like i'm going like really is that what we've come to that's what jazz is about okay i got it i'm out of here you know <laughs> fucking put on some you know at that point it's like credence clearwater it's like starting <laughs> to sound really good i have good to, to say me. there's there's something about you know i should maybe shouldn't say anything i don't know well, go ahead and say it go ahead and say it it's because not, and i hate know, to bring that up but it was a perfect example of the whole chops yeah, thing gone but, but stupid you, you know no one it was all a setup so okay yeah. we're gonna set this up so you can just jack off all over this one moment <laughs> and just really let's 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 define to the world that you are the guy mm -hmm. that can go to this speed you know that you can go up to the space station that nobody else can get, get to and uh, and like then we'll have a little melody we'll come back together and we'll play it so that we're all together and then you get to do your little thing i mean it really was obviously that it wasn't about Let's all play together and make some music. No, let's like show off our chops. Then we got this song. Okay, here's your landscape. Do your thing. When you're done, okay, we do this thing. Okay, you now, you killed the guitar players because you just killed all the bass players. <laughs> now, you know what I mean? Now I'll kill all the piano players. And it, it really felt like that was the whole motivation even though it was called Romantic Warrior. I mean, what's <laughs> fucking romantic about that? You know, I get the warrior part. <laughs> you know, just this whole conversation well, reminds I, me. And I, I know I'm going to piss off a lot of no, people. No, I was going to, I'll piss them off even more. Oh, good. Go Thank on, you. Do it. Because, Don't forget because, me. Because, yeah, you, you really, you're, yeah, you, you're, you're not even close to pissing them off. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the kind of shit Guitar Wing was made for. <laughs> well, well, the, the only thing I'll add to the, to this is, is that, and I'm not, in any way pissed off at Chick Corea, even though though you, you you everybody knows how I feel about Scientology. It's not right. about him as a person, no. as, or as a musician, because obviously he's a brilliant musician, you know. And and and, but there <laughs> there there, and this is all personal opinion. You know, there's a lot of people that can disagree with me or call me an idiot for saying this, but there's there's the, the difference between hip and corny. Mm. And when Mahavishnu Orchestra came out, it was really hip. Right. It was a new way of playing that was kind of like something based off Eastern music and Indian music mixed with rock, mixed with what, mixed with jazz and all phenomenal players, and they came out with a sound that was ridiculously innovative, really innovative. The tunes were hip. A lot of the tunes, some of the tunes weren't, but a lot of them really were, were really hip, right. dark, dark in the Miles Davis. You could really hear the Miles Davis thing, e even, though, even though it wasn't swing, or even it was you know the beats were completely different. You could really hear the darkness of the Miles Davis, the core, the harmonic darkness that came from Bitches Brew, and you could tell that those musicians had played on Bitches Brew, and that they had were highly influenced by that 
that kind of really dark, evil sound, right? right? Then you have Chick, (laughs) who just obviously wants to be the happiest person on Earth. And he comes out with, with him of the Seventh Galaxy. And at that time, Bill Connors was kind of trying to sound like John McLaughlin. And Chick, obviously, had heard Ma Vishnu, and he was trying to, you know, maybe people said, okay, that album sounds too much like Ma Vishnu. Because Romantic Warrior was the album after that. And maybe it was the fact that that's when Al Demiola joined the band. But at that point, the the difference between Hymn of the Seventh Galaxy and Romantic Warrior, to me, that's when it got corny. Mm. That's when the music became all happy and silly and corny. And, And, you know, I played on one of Chick's corniest records, The Electric Band, which is even cornier than Romantic Warrior. So... So I know corny. <laughs> and the, not to say that he hasn't done some really brilliant records as well, because he has. So he's you like know. the David Foster of the jazz world. No, no, not anything that bad. I mean, <laughs> David, David Foster is a, you know, a yeah. pure evil. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, no. David Foster's like... So, so know, why you know. do you like me? My shit's super corny. Your shit's no, corny. your your stuff is traditional. Traditional doesn't mean corny. Yeah, but I mean, I'm happy and funny and no, no, no. no that's not that. Because you're playing, you're playing. I don't consider Duke Ellington corny. Okay. You're kind of, you're kind of, you're in that world. Charlie Parker, Duke Ellington, Count Basie. That's not corny. That's traditional, but it's not corny. Mm-hmm. You know. But I mean, I'm is happy when... and fun, you know. Yeah, but you're, it's not. No. I know what Scott's saying. I've, yeah. I, I listen to that okay. stuff. Okay, I'm, like, I'm just making corny, sure it's because of, it's okay it's if you hate my shit. You know, it's okay if you hate my no, shit. No, you know what it is. <laughs> is that your stuff, your stuff is like you're carrying on a tradition of traditional bebop swing jazz, right? That music wasn't corny. That music is what it is. Yeah. You know. When I hear, like, I, I'd have to sing an ending to a Chick Corea song, uh, you know, the, the word pompous comes to mind. Right. Pompous and grandiose are trying to be, and right. that makes it corny. Oh, okay. Where it yeah. starts to sound like a police detective, uh, uh, like a cop show theme song. Right. Right? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Oh, Romantic there, Warrior. Kind yeah. Of shit. Well, yeah. there you go. I mean, it. it, it, it Which is it like, who would like even that. come up with that title? Romantic Warrior. Think right. about it. A Scientologist. You know, Romantic. I get, I get it. I get it. A warrior who thinks he's. I mean that's almost. But you realize that it's even if even if you accept that as a, like a cool title, you're saying that this warrior who's killing people f- finds some sort of romance in that. I mean, it's like maybe he thinks he's getting light after the uh, war. You know, he's fight. He's fighting a fight for romance. Mm. It's like I still there's just too much oxymoronic shit happening right there for for my pea brain to it. to wrap. I got. I got one from. Can we just say one thing? One last that? thing, just What's to that? end this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, please. You gotta I say want him that, to end You gotta it. say that. You know, Chick has also written some really great compositions. Some really oh, good ones. Some, fuck, some, Chick you know, is amazing. 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 Like, g- g- that just happens to be Should one we of, get him one on of the, the show. That just happens to be it. one of the corny records that he did. It. But he did so many great ones. If you, if you ever listen to My Spanish Heart, 
There's some su- such good writing and arranging. Oh, on light that as record. a feather. Light as a feather. The, the now he know. sings, now he sobs. Is, yeah. is truly one of yeah. the best trio records. Yeah. ever just, made. Yeah. in the history of jazz music. So, some incredible so we should stuff. Get him on the show. Oh, I I mean <laughs> uh, I would go into a war with them over Scientology <laughs> and then we well, that's okay. I'd love to hear that. Brilliant. But no, no, in terms of, of 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 the you know, of the I'd say train full of musicians <laughs> that would make me very just hard, you know, starstruck at how great they are. All right. He's in that trick. Oh, he is. He's a badass. I, and I mean, I, no, no, really, I, really. I mean, of you know, and I can name, like I say, a train load of people that literally when I get around them, I just like, <gasps> he'd be in that train. Well, a suggestion, I think we should get him on the show. With I would G. love to. Him and well, Kenny you G. know, they're not all that. They're not all that different when it comes to the writing. Sometimes, yeah, I mean, they're, that's they're, why I said that. You know, but no, but you know, I, come I know on, Chickory is just from, shit. I played know. in his band for not that long, but but to hear him play every night, even in the context of that corny music we were playing, wow! Right. I mean, the guy just give him a B minor and watch out. I yeah. mean, the guy is phenomenal. Just yeah. come up. He's so creative. He's so rhythmically imaginative. It's it's just you know he's an amazing musician, amazing an amazing cat. improviser. No matter what context he plays in, I mean he's just he's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just talking just from a, a writing, you know, from a from a so- song. In particular you know, periods of his. Of yeah, his, mo- there of are his... many people that would agree with me that he had some pretty bad writing, bad albums that were corny and not that good. Can we blame the drugs on that? Or he doesn't do drugs? No, he does. He has, oh, I, I think see, Scientology sad. saved him from drugs. Oh, actually. so he did drugs? Yeah. So all his best stuff was on drugs? No, Light as a Feather <laughs> was after he became a Scientologist. And that's, really? Was yeah, it? yeah. Really? It was that long ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the 70s. Yeah, he... Yeah, I mean, okay. I, he was a Scientologist. He was clean when he did Light as a Feather as far as I know. And that's one of his best records. Yeah. All right. I love that. Really. Well, um, Joshua has a question for Bruce. He said, I heard in the last podcast that Bruce was playing some show in San Francisco in a couple of weeks. Is that right, Bruce? God, by the time this comes out, that will have been gone. So don't even. Bother. Well, this is going to come out. Well, no. no. All right. Yeah. Forget that. Because, and, and we should probably think about wrapping it up. As it is, it's already one o'clock, and I've got to get you, out of town. You got to get out of town, yeah. But uh, no, my gig is Saturday in San Francisco. So. Yeah, this won't air in time. We um we do have to say a quick thank you to Tim Wingate. He um he donated. He, he just did? donated some money, twenty five bucks. Tim thanks, did. Tim. Tim, Cheap thanks, skate. mate. <laughs> really, twenty five bucks. You couldn't have done twenty eight. <laughs> twenty five bucks. It's like a fucking latte at Starbucks. Come on, help us out here. Tim, thank you so know, much, Oh, that's mate. two hookers in my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm moving to Eagle Rock, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we've got to move there. That sounds like a great, great cheap night. Give, he says, give the money to Bruce or put it towards Scott for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the great work you're doing, John. Um, okay. So, uh, anything else? I'm about 15 minutes away. Oh, he says, if we play Guitar Sanctuary, he'll come in um, Texas. Well, we like need to do that. Wait. 
We we might we we're gonna work on doing that next year for sure. More um, road shows. Daniel Zimmerman says. Um, I know Daniel. You know Daniel. I'm yep. a longtime fan of Scott and Bruce. Oh fuck! I get no love. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, I love the podcast too. This is not a question as much as a conversation topic. I went to LA with my wife last last night and saw Bruce at oh, Seven Grand. Yes, he's, I saw him last yeah, night. Yeah, he was. Oh, that's, uh, that's Dizzy. That's the guy in my message board. Daniel? Yeah. Daniel, yeah, I know oh, okay. Daniel. Yeah. yeah, nice guy. And he was playing a duo with an excellent drummer. Bruce sounded fantastic. He was able to make it happen with just a drummer. It was awesome to hear a great jazz player in a bar instead of a concert hall. I wish great musicians like Bruce and Scott were featured in bars more often. I used to live in... Uh, I'm featured in bars a lot, but not playing. <laughs> he used to go to Lava Lee. And I hear Scott, which was perfect place to see him. And I, I, also used to, um, I even saw Landau in front row at the headbanging. Headbanging. Oh, well, was that right? Let me comment on that. Because we were just talking about this last week. We, and we will, we'll talk about it again. About, about living in a city that either makes it easy or hard for you to play in a club like say every week because it's not as easy as some people might think especially if you play loud or, or what I, it's not what I call loud but say louder than the people eating dinner you know because if you do play louder than the people eating dinner then there's many fewer places you can play so um you know, there's all kinds of levels of that, and maybe we should talk about that next time we do a podcast about how players can find places where they can play more often in the town where they live. Because I know, just speaking from my experience, I don't play that much in town. I play maybe three times a year at the Baked Potato, and that's pretty much it. And then maybe twice a year down at Alva's in in San Pedro because Mm. it's so far away from the Baked Potato that it doesn't conflict with their audience. And I remember Lavalie, and I remember being playing there every Wednesday night for years, and it was really fun. I didn't make the kind of money I make at the Baked Potato, but I got to get out of the house every week and play, which was really fun. Yeah. And now in L.A., L.A.'s a hard town. There's not quite as many clubs where you can... Do that. Well, there's clubs where you can play loud, but you and 10 other bands. Yeah. So, So... You know the kind of the kind of club where you've got the club to yourself all night, and you can play your music, original music. People don't dance; they're they're there to listen. They're not there to eat, but they're actually there to listen to you play. And they come or whoever's playing there, and you know, like a real music club. That that that. I guess how how would I put this? Where there's more residencies. Mm. See what I mean? Rather than one night, and then I'll give you another night in four months. Yeah, if where, you bring thirty people. Well, yeah, yeah, I think I think you would really only have to bring to make it worthwhile for a club owner. What would you say, Bruce? Thirty, forty people would make probably it make it worse. Depends on the club. Versus, depends yeah, on it depends the on the size of the club. But a place like Lavalie, I remember we used to get at least 30, 40 people in there every Wednesday night. Yeah, and and they charged five bucks at the door. And then they made money off food and drinks. They gave the, 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 the cover to the band, you know, the door to the band. Yeah. And they made money off food and drinks. Yeah. And, and trying, to, trying to make that happen again in L.A. has been hard 
for I know a few players have tried and not been very successful. I'd like to try, you know, and and I'm sure there are those of you listening who would like to play more often in the city where you live, but not just playing in top 40 bands or casuals, but playing your original music and playing stuff you really like to play in a place once a week right. would be really something that most musicians would would give a, give, give a tooth for. Maybe, you know? maybe Guitar uh, Wank needs to be a, um, an instigator of... Well, I have been. I mean, I have throughout this year... I have been calling for that. while I agree that Scott's situation does present numerous dynamics on top of what I've said it's still possible and that obviously let's look at the honesty here when he was in Lavalier it was 20 years ago Mm -hmm. right 20 years ago a tank of gas was half of what it is your rent was half of what it is a a meal at a restaurant was a third of what it is Mm -hmm. You know, so even to make what you were making at Lavalie, which is b- about the best you could do now, it's not going to be a, a living wage. No, that, and I don't care and, about and, that. And I know you don't care about it, yeah. but I'm just talking about let's all get our perspective about what we can do right. and how we can do it. Because I believe that if we do it right, we can actually exponentially build on it to where we'll become that. Mm-hmm. But that's my, you know, maybe it's my Pollyanna side speaking. But ultimately, let's just talk about the realities here. We all need to play. There are people out there that really do want to hear what we got to say. And there are places out there that desperately need people in them. Mm -hmm. So, 
If we agree on those three things, this should be a possibility to yeah, do. Yeah, I agree. Even for you. And you have a <laughs> No, no, no. And you like, have a specific... Even for somebody that sucks as no, bad no, as no. you do. <laughs> your problem is you're a star. That's your problem now. And so that for you to drop down to the tier of the local guy just playing is, 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 you know, even though it's just in LA and you work everywhere else, it's still a sort of a, you know, a stature bring down. Oh God, I remember when Scott was playing at the blah, 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 and now he's playing at my local bar. You know, I mean, there, there is a certain amount of a bring down for you that won't be for the people we're talking to right now, which is good. Nonetheless, hey, we need to find a place to play. We need to find a place that the guy who's there has an interest in more people being there. And we need to create a community so we're all there. And and I can think of hundreds of places that would have music of normal volume. You know, I'm not talking about background so people can eat and talk, but you know, normal volume. And then there are a sizable number of places, not near as many, that you could actually play loud in. Well, do you that think you could we're loud? I would put your music as loud, yes. Uh-huh. But I mean, I, you know, not ear-splitting rock concert loud, but louder than what I'm talking about. Okay, you know, for the jazz level of loud, louder, far louder than dining level music. Mm-hmm. And then there's that next thing. But there's still lots of restaurants that have no adjoining neighbors that, you know, that could easily... And they're, they're sitting there wondering how the fuck they're going to get more people in their place. Because mm-hmm. they're having the same problem we are, which is basically people are sitting watching their computer screens and their TVs, and they're not going out creating community. Right. And they're missing out on life mm-hmm. because that TV is a bunch of lies and bullshit. And there's, there's nothing social about social media. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like, come You're on. Right. <laughs> Nothing feels better than another person to talk to, another person to give you a perspective and an insight on something. There's nothing better in your life. That is what we live for. Ultimately, that's what drives us. So for us to just, and I know I'm pontificating and, and basically just giving a sermon here, but come on, people, create stuff. Go out there. You know, the first time you do it, no one's going to come. The second time you do it, a few people are going to come. The third time, more people will come. Now, if it's you, Scott, a lot of people will come right off the bat because you put it on Facebook or whatever. You're well-known, so you can drive that bus a lot bigger than most people could. It doesn't matter. It's just do something. Make a stand. Try and create this thing because otherwise we're just going to let this this momentum and this horrible direction everything's going in mm-hmm. continue. And you know, I honestly believe if you can get 60 people in there, maybe even if there's not a cover charge, but you have a tip jar, you might get more than $5 per person. You might get $10 per person. Well, you know, 60 people at $10 a person is a hell of a lot more than the club's going to give you. Mm-hmm. And you're making it happen for them. And the club's now glad because they don't even have a stake in this. Mm-hmm. They're selling drinks and food to the people who just happen to be there. And they've had like 
four juicers at the bar that keep the place open <laughs> mm -hmm. for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And now they've got 60 people in here and everybody in the world wants to play there because you've played there. Yeah, It's like, that's where the shit starts. Yeah, I, the, the, the Village yeah. Vanguard, the, 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 the temple of jazz music right now, was just a regular local bar in New York. And Max Gordon brought in some, like they were, you know, Judy Holiday. I mean, it wasn't even really jazz at the beginning. He just brought in some people. And, like, people started hanging out. And then he, next thing you know, the jazzers were there. And, and he really fell in love with the music. And you had Lee Morgan and John Coltrane. And, you know, and mm -hmm. here we are 60, 70 years later. And it's the, it's a 60, 70 seat bar with the subway running by. It's underground with the mm -hmm. subway runs along the wall of it. Most people who go there the first time are shocked mm -hmm. because they're expecting Royce Hall or Carnegie Hall, you know what I mean? Because it's mm -hmm. such an iconic, mm -hmm. it's just a local bar. Mm -hmm. And that's the best place. Back to Daniel's comment, and I'm amazingly pulling this all fucking together. I'm doing it out, you know, out my ass, but I'm doing it. <laughs> Daniel said, it's true, the bar thing. No, he came to a gig. It was louder than shit last night. And I'm just playing duo with a drummer mm -hmm. slash percussionist. And, we're, you know, I'm on my resonator. <laughs> Got my bud amp that's, you know, mm -hmm. smaller than a purse. And um, he, in order to really hear me, he had to stand really close. And people, they knew we were playing. And when we stopped songs, a lot of people applauded. You know, some were tangentially kind of aware of us. Some were listening. Some were paying attention. Most weren't. You know, but it was, we were part of a thing. And it was okay for me. I knew going in, hey, I'm just going to, I'm just there to play and play the best I can. Mm -hmm. Everybody who wants to engage to whatever level, level they want to engage, that's their problem, not mine. Mm -hmm. Well, and now, yet, you know, I mean, I'm just saying that there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not, and just like I did tonight at the Grove, which is this world famous shopping, I don't know, like a Disneyland. Mm -hmm. It's like a Disneyland shopping mall, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the kind of, a, imagine Disneyland goes your regular mall and put them together. That's the Grove. And I played there, and there's like a water fountain made by the guy who did the Bellagio one in, in, in Las Vegas. And I'm playing right by it. And like, so there's like more water sound. I had to pee all fucking night long. It was like the <laughs> hardest thing for an old man like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm going along here. And you know, but yet that gig was really rewarding for me. We played, and the people dug the music, the ones that paid attention. And. The ones that didn't, I still got paid great and treated great. And, and I got to watch this water fountain for three or four <laughs> hours and all these cool people walk by in Christmas time. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I just don't have the expectation every moment I get on the bandstand, I'm going to be some fucking star that's got to be, you got to listen to my this or that. I'm just here to play on this earth. And, you know, I get my, I'm lucky because I get enough times where, you know, I get the love of, like, I don't get it every time, like a guy like Christian McBride gets or Terrence Blanchard, you know what I mean? Or Charles Lloyd, every time he plays, it's a big-ass concert where everybody's going to come pray at the altar. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe I don't deserve it. 
but I and I wasn't there when he when he started it. And I, you know, I mean, it's okay. And I don't even it's, I don't even I'm not even here to say that I'm equal to them because I'm I don't think of it in those terms. But I sure would love to be in that exalted group. But right now, I'm not going to be a a prisoner of my own ambition. I'm here to play. Mm-hmm. Well, now let me be devil's advocate. Please be, because I got to pee. Well, you know, there there are people that don't feel that way, and they're not even virtuoso musicians. They're just guys that like to play music, but the whole point of playing music for them is not to play, but to to make a statement that right. people pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. So it's an insult to them when they play and people aren't paying attention. They'd rather not be playing. They'd rather be at home. Yeah. They'd be writing or, or, you know, yeah. But, I mean, I'm just saying there's a different point of view, you know, with some people, their whole idea is that, and maybe I'm talking about more rock musicians, but, like, say, let's just take the guy who wants to go play a gig at the Troubadour, right? Now there's going to be 15 other bands that night. Right. But he's going to they're going to go up and play for a half an hour and they're going to pay money to rent the PA. But for that half hour, all their friends are going to be there and all the people that love them are going to be there and for that half hour, everybody's going to pay attention to every single thing that they do. Yeah. And that's their half hour in the spotlight. Right. And that's where they brought the record company people down to hear them are are business acquaintances of theirs that they might be able to help them get more established and get more known you know publicists and business people and record people and and you know people from other clubs that might have other gigs for them yeah anything that's going to help them push their career along right they'd rather do that and only play for half an hour than play in a bar where no one's paying attention to them that makes sense. So, so and, and there's nothing wrong other, with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that, you know, like personally, where I stand, I'm I'm more on the side of Bruce because I mean, I even when I played Lavalie every Wednesday night, half the people were paying attention, half the people weren't. It's just that you know when I go see Bruce play at Viva Cantina, the first ten tables are are that's the captive audience, and then. Once you get past those ten tables, everybody's just hooping and hollering, and they don't care, care yeah. less. They're not even there to hear the music, yeah. or they yeah. would have sat closer. Yeah. Because especially in that place, where you can hear the band in the other room, you know, which is horrible when you try, you're hearing one band. And but you that's hear just music one from. place I play. You know, I mean, my point is, is, is first of all, I, and I just really, I hope I've made this clear throughout this entire podcast. But if I haven't, I'm making it clear now. <laughs> It's sort of late, I know. But I'm just stating my opinion and my truth. I don't expect it to be anybody else's. I'm not pontificating and saying this is the right way and everybody else is the wrong way. You know, this is just for me, the way I, at my place, in my life, Mm -hmm. what I have to accept, you know, and how I've made peace with reality. So first of all, 
somebody else doesn't want to do something I think is cool to do, they shouldn't do it. If they need to do whatever they need to do, everybody, you know, and I, I really appreciate them actually communicating that to me because I would, I might learn from their perspective and actually change my mind. I really am open to it. Okay, I, I so go, that being said, first of all, that's, I really want that clear. You know, I'm not, I know I, when I speak, I often sound very imperious, like this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm just saying this is the way it is for me right now. And I'm very open to other people's, and I don't think it's the way it is. It just is for me. Second of all, you know, I don't see the two things that you just mentioned, Scott, being necessarily uh, mutually exclusive. You know, in other words, mm -hmm. you could still play in the bar and work your shit out when no one's paying attention and do the troubadour. Sure, And right. bring your friends in the record company. Right, yeah, you're right. And then you'd be better because you've played a bunch more. Right. And maybe you'd have even developed a huge community of people who dig you because you think people aren't paying attention. But if you're good, they are. Mm -hmm. So I'm not suggesting in both cases, you know, first of all, I really want everybody to hear, I'm just saying what I think right now is, is my truth and mm -hmm. it's not the truth. No, I totally understand that. My, my thing is that I've been both places, you know, many times and so have you. Yeah. So they both give you a completely different feeling. It's great when you play for a captive audience at the baked potato and everybody's silent and paying attention to every note you play. It's also horrible. Well, it can be, but on a good night, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I know, know because, when, you know, it's like, you shit, know. you know. I mean, in, in Canada, you know, and, I, you know, we know different cultures are different. And I don't want to put down my Canadian brethren because I may have to, like, ask for asylum. Soon. <laughs> so, so, uh, we all might. <laughs> so, uh, but they're generally not as warm. Mm -hmm. as most audiences we find here. Maybe it was and, so you know, fucking and, and I'm a guy, <laughs> and, I, and you know, I'm a guy who likes comedy. And uh, just listen to my playing, you can tell. Thanks, guys, for listening. That's our show for this week. Um, I know at the start there and through that podcast, there was a bit of uh, audio problems. Uh, Scott's microphone was on the floor while he was talking, and I kept, dude, pick up your microphone. So that's what was going on there. So please don't email me about this one. Uh, shit happens. So uh, anyway, we hope you enjoyed it. Until next week, be safe out there. Uh, treat each other well. Keep guitar wanking. And uh, we love hearing from you guys. So keep the emails coming. And uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, guitar wank podcast out.